WFH with two guys. Now here's Benny and Dennis. Dennis, I know that for me, when we talk about uh, protecting the company, a lot of times it's been just like reinforcing it with good people, good processes, and making sure that we're doing the right things to make sure our company is protected. But a lot of times uh, we, as business owners, we, we may kind of not think about the requirements or the need for insurance and how that has really grown over the last few years. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's one of those ones where you have to have it or you should have it, but in many cases, some people don't. And then when you need it, that's when disaster happens. And I mean, yeah. and there's so many different types of insurances that you need as a business. I mean, in my case, mine is really around that liability because I'm, I'm handling people's data. And so mm-hmm. I don't have any structures or physical property, but I have that need to protect people's data. And yep. when I first started out, you know, 12 years ago, I had no clue that you needed all this stuff. And then you get into the business world, um, you know, two or three weeks ago, we talked about taxes. That's kind of one. This is one of those other ones that you kind of take for granted when you're, if you're starting a business, just all the things that go in and all the liabilities. And, you know, the third piece would be to make sure you have an attorney because all that stuff kind of plays into it and all fits in there. So um, I think insurance is a topic that we haven't talked about here much in the past couple of years, but I think we've got a great expert joining us to talk about that today. Yeah. So welcome, Jay. Thanks for coming on the show today. Grateful, guys. Good to be with you, Benny, Dennis, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to chat with you all a little bit today. You bet. So let me start out here. And in my world, Jay, I'm surrounded by technology. Of course, I have to surround my clients with technology. And inevitably, when I talk to them about whatever we we're, we're happen to be, because I work in several different areas of technology, uh, we ultimately come around to the idea of cybersecurity insurance. Can you tell us, you know, because I, I know that people have, may have an idea of what it is, but what is cybersecurity insurance and, and why is it important for us to have? Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, Benny, I, I tell clients all the time, in my opinion, this is the biggest issue facing businesses today and mm-hmm. it's not understood and they don't grasp the magnitude of the problem. But in essence, the the policies are designed to cover two things, kind of what you mentioned, the cybersecurity side, which that's the part that protects your business. Mm-hmm. Ransomware, someone uh, locking down your data, someone locking down your processes, or even in manufacturing, locking down your manufacturing machines. Mm-hmm. Um, how do, you know, they, it, it's happening more and more. So that that's what protects you. And then the other piece is what, what will typically be called cyber liability. If you're somebody that has an organization that has personally identifiable information of other people um, and that gets hacked, then you have a responsibility in every state to do certain things that's going to cost you money to protect the consumer. So you're, that's the liability side that something happened in the breach that caused harm to somebody else. And those are really the two coverages that kind of are the biggest foundation that most businesses need. So Jay, so Jay, is it, you know, you're talking insurance and I know when you and I talked a month or two ago, it's the insurance, but it's also, there's just some things practically businesses can do to be smart about just helping navigate through some of this stuff that I know it, with your company, you, yeah, you provide the insurance, but you also try to coach and give some guidance on how to just be smarter around this whole area. 
Yeah, and I certainly, uh, I'm no Benny. I'm not an expert at all in the tech space and tech side from running our business. I learned a lot. But uh, when we were involved as our executive team trying to make decisions around technology, it's hard because you don't understand the language and you don't understand what to do. But the insurance world is trying to respond to that and say, hey, here's some basics that you need to do just from a risk management standpoint. Uh, for example, the vast majority of insurers now, the vast majority of the ones that will write cyber, they won't protect you if you're not using multi-factor authentication. They see that as just, that's blocking and tackling. That's the basics you ought to do to try to protect yourself. So there's some things you can do that are just good risk management. Uh, and I'm sure, Benny, you could give a lot more tips than even I can that really help and help you hopefully not have to use that insurance product that you're buying. Yeah, the whole goal would be to have it, not use it, because it's something that I think uh, you really, it's not a policy you want to have to exercise. And, and, and Jay, just kind of keep me straight on this one too. This is something that we do come across from time to time, but I understand that, uh, the companies that actually did policies in 2022, a hundred percent of them lost money on the policies that they issue. Yeah, it's accurate. Uh, the industry rocked along there for in its infancy for probably its first 15 or 20 years and, and was just printing money. Um, there really weren't a lot of claims. And then 2020 changed all of that mm -hmm. because everybody went remote and all of a sudden the firewalls were down and uh, there was data flowing everywhere. So they began to lose money, just bleed money then. Mm -hmm. And that's really changed the landscape of the industry. Yeah. and change the way they underwrite the risk because of that. But that should tell your audience, those businesses that you are speaking to and that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis, how critical this is to be thinking about to protect their own business. Jay, we hear all the time about the breaches. Verizon, Yahoo, Target had a $100 million breach that affected them. The thing that I, in my world, I run into, and when we talk about the need to protect your business by having the proper protections from malware and ransomware, the thing that I hear all the time is, I'm too small. I, you know, I'm not a big enough target. You know, I only do about 10 or $20 million a year. What do they care about me? They're going to go after the big fish. They're going to go take that Fortune 500 list and they're going to use that. How accurate do you see that being? Uh, not at all. I think that's part of the misnomer is that, that everybody thinks there's a, a hooded guy in a dark, smoky cafe in a foreign country, like finding websites and targeting them. Um, I mean, you guys know that the estimate now is somewhere between 65, 75% of, of the internet traffic is bot traffic. It's, mm -hmm. And so those bots are testing firewalls and if they can get through and get data, it might be years before a human ever looks at the data that was gotten to see if it's any good. Mm -hmm. So we're all at risk. We're all uh, uh, just anytime we touch that device, whatever it is, we all have an amount of risk that's, that's out there that we've got to face as an organization. And so I, I think the, the too small is ridiculous. Um, yeah. And to say how ridiculous it is, is just think about how many people have had their identity stolen. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether they were and, and it's not the high net worth individuals that are typically targeted. It's 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 folks like us that are out there working. Right. We're the ones that get hit because we're an easier target. Yep. And I think it's the same thing with small and medium businesses. They don't necessarily have the things 
I mean, let's face it, if they can get through to Target and Verizon and CNA Insurance, then they can get through to any of our smaller businesses as well. Yeah. And Dennis, I know you and I have talked about this, but, I, but I'll, but I'll tell you, I mean, Jay's example is, is exactly right. You, it's not, you, it's not some individual guy sitting with a you know cigarette in his mouth, knocking on the keyboard. They have these programs that are automating and going out and they're looking for vulnerabilities in a firewall. They're looking for vulnerabilities in people doing phishing attempts. And it's all automated. What I'm going to tell you here, just kind of as an aside to this, but with, you know, you know how I am about AI. I love AI, but AI is only going to make this even worse, worse. right? So, right. Yeah. It adds a whole other layer of where it can replicate voices and yep. conversations. And you'll think yep. you're talking to the president of a company that tells you to it's okay to write that check. And in fact, it may not. And so yes, there's all kinds of things from a risk standpoint, Jay, to your point, it's not just insurance, but it's also having those processes and, and steps in place to try to ensure that you, you secure your stuff as you go through. I mean, it's that double That's authentication. Right. I mean, if, if anybody logs into your checking account or any of that stuff online anymore, it's usually a login and password, and then it emails you or pings you with another code. As a user, it feels cumbersome, but it's that's a one step of protection that gives you a little bit of security to know that someone's not going to just get into you those different accounts and that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's all kinds of other things. It's just people open emails and don't even know who they are. And as soon as you open it, the whole thing can just be spam and then you start spreading, you know, running throughout your, your organization. And those, those are scary parts that, you know, as a business owner, it's hard to protect against some of that stuff because it is just sometimes the way of life, but Mm -hmm. you've got to be prepared for this stuff. Yeah. I had a, a good example of that. When you talk about these smaller organizations, somehow, some way, sometime they had opened an email that put a ghosting program on the keyboard and so the controller in the company, she and the owner were the only two that had, you know, had the fob for the bank accounts and the passwords and everything else. She comes in one day and her email inbox is flooded well over 1,400 emails that were all just crap, just oh trash. And, and I will say to her credit, she sorted them. And in the middle of them were three emails from her bank that said, your password's been changed. And she immediately tried to log in and couldn't. So whoever this was had access to all of their banking information. And she immediately called the owner of the company and he was able to log in and stop it. But this is a small business. This is less than a $5 million business. Mm -hmm. Um, So could have had their entire accounts drained had she not been on her feet and caught it. Most people would call IT and go, oh, I've been hacked. You know, can you reset my whole email? But she happened to catch it, which saved their organization, may have saved them, period. They may have been gone and out of cash had it not happened. So yeah. it can happen to anybody at any time. Yeah, it, it's scary. And, and, you know, this being my world, I'm, I'm, I can't emphasize it enough that uh, you do need to have not only protection from cybersecurity insurance, just some, simply the protections you need to place uh, in-house from a technology perspective. Jay, well, let me ask, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was for those of us who've had business for a while, and maybe we have some retail location or manufacturing, we're aware of the need to have certain types of 
liability insurance, you know, property insurance, uh, just to keep, you know, just to make sure, you know, some of it might be a compliance issue if you have a contract and they, you have to have carry a certain amount of insurance. I know that for a lot of things in the last few years post COVID, uh, we're seeing a lot of increases in just about everything. And I don't think that insurance has probably escaped that either, has it? No, unfortunately, it's probably bearing the worst brunt of that now as we speak, kind of the uh, convergence of forces we've had. You, you've had a lot of things rock the industry. Uh, inflation obviously impacts insurance just like it does everything else. If if, uh, if your building got hit by a tornado it, and it cost, you know, uh, $4 for a two by four, two years ago. Now that two by four, six fifty. So mm-hmm. the insurance carriers got to handle those costs. Uh, we've had a significant rise in anomalies of, of events across, I mean, across the insured us, uh, we've had more multi-billion dollar insurance events in the last five years than in the prior 30. So mm-hmm. significant loss financially and then the instability in the financial markets. Um, has has wreaked a little havoc along with the what what I don't know why they use this phrase but they call it social inflation where it's 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 what's happening with lawsuits where judgments are being rendered that really don't make sense where some of these jurisdictions across the country are trying to force insurance contracts to pay for things that really the contract was never designed to do mm. um, or to look at you know Dennis Dennis has 12 vehicles and he had a million dollar limit for every vehicle and this judge in this certain jurisdiction says well then that's 12 million dollars for that one accident you know the so that they they call that social inflation for some reason but either way it's really impacting the industry in a big way so costs are rising across the board um which is terrible because nobody likes paying for insurance anyway and now it's costing (laughs) even more money you know yeah just all there is to it it's usually the the second or third largest expense behind payroll for any organization we work with so i would imagine and you probably seen your share of frustrated customers and having to you know, be on the receiving end of, oh my gosh, this is, this is ridiculous what I'm having to pay this year, as opposed to the last couple of years. Do you have any advice or any tips or thoughts or tricks, or maybe that, that people looking to protect their business, do it wisely and maybe um, carefully, what what, what are some thoughts maybe that you might suggest for those shopping around and and considering moving to a different company or seeing what the existing company can do for them? That's a a great question. And here's how to answer that. Benny, I think the the biggest problem in our industry is, is people who sell insurance. Uh, the insurance industry is right at that inflection point, the property and casualty world, where I think the stockbrokers were in the late 80s, right? Everybody had a stockbroker and they thought they'd always be around because they had access to information. So they were just collecting commissions. Who, nobody has a stockbroker now. No one. Nobody. Because you can do it online yourself mm-hmm. or you, you hire an advisor and negotiate what you're willing to pay them to help advise you. But so I think our industry's right there. We've got a lot of people still selling when, when what the public desires and wants is somebody to provide advice, mm-hmm. somebody to come in that knows these contracts and can design the contract for the need rather than just selling them a policy off the shelf. So my biggest piece of advice is, is don't worry about 
do not focus on the cost. Comparing the cost of insurance is the worst way to purchase commercial insurance. Mm -hmm. um, I, I tell people all the time, I can make the cost whatever you want to pay, as long as you don't care what's covered, because I know I know how to manipulate the system. Sure. What, what you really need is somebody to come in and, and work with you, to be a part of your team, to help design what you need, and then go get the best price for it. Right. Um, and, and have them bring you the, the, you know, if they're an independent agent or an independent broker, they'll have access to multiple companies. Tell them you want to see all the quotes, not just the one that's the cheapest. So you can make an informed decision. I think, I think the person designing the program in the property and casualty world matters more than anything else. Jay, one of the things I, I you know, I used to own my wife and I, 10 years or so ago, we used to own um, a frozen yogurt store, right? And what yeah. I was actually surprised about was what I didn't know I needed to have, right? And to your point, uh, you know, the insurance person that we were put in touch with, I think they were fairly new in the business. And, you know, luckily nothing ever happened, but I realized that several years after the fact that I wasn't adequately covered, I didn't have a certain type of insurance. How do you, how do you go about finding somebody who really knows what they're what they're doing. And, and, um, you know, how do I know that I'm covered? You, we talked about, you know, cyber liability, cybersecurity type of insurance. We talked about sure. you know, the, the property and liability, but if I have, a, if I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm you know, Dennis has a very, uh, specific type of business. Just, is he covered, you know, and, and should I be worried about making sure that, um, uh, even though like, um, uh, some other company, they might have, uh, a specific type of insurance for their business, is it something that I need too? So that's kind of a question I know that people may not know the right answer to. What would you, what would your advice be for those folks? You know, I think one of the things that helps, and, and you probably saw it, uh, running a Froyo shop, you know, mm -hmm. you're not the only one in that business. Nope. Uh, talking <laughs> with some of your peers and talking with some folks that are maybe in similar businesses and saying, hey, who, who's your person? Um, you know, does she do a really good job for you? Does she know what she's doing? Um, I use the example that I had, uh, part of my practice has been nonprofits and I insure a significant number of nonprofits because I felt like if, if I could help, they're trying to help my community. So if I can help them, I'm going to do it. And I've got tiny ones and I've got huge ones, right? So I'm going to do a better job on a nonprofit than most agents or brokers because I've been doing it a really long time. Now, I don't have a whole lot of contractors. So there are agents out there that would probably do a better job than me at contractors because they've got a bunch of them and that's something they've focused on, right? Mm -hmm. So finding those people that have expertise in what you do and quite honestly, somebody that just, like I said earlier, has that reputation for trying to be a risk advisor and not just a salesperson. Somebody that's gonna really talk to you about what you do and how you do it uh, in order to design the coverage for you. And that can be found regardless of the size of business. So it's, it's really about relationships again, from that standpoint too, right? It's looking beyond that salesperson, but sitting there and talking to someone that is willing to say, Hey, I'm not the right agent for you guys or the right group. I need to turn you over to someone else because they're stronger at, at contractors as an example that hey, I can look at it with you, but you'd be better off to go over and talk to Bob or Sue because they're stronger at that. To me, that tells me, you're not trying to sell. You're trying to help me as an organization get the, the best deal. And I'm going to remember that when it comes time to, to refer you or others to other people. I mean, I think that's the, a, a big difference that has changed. I think to your point, that's the, the change we're going through um, for sales agents versus people that are really in the business to help people solve problems. 
Yeah, and I, I think, you know, relying on those trusted advisors. So, you know, Dennis, that's how you and I know each other, right? We, we've yep. got people that we both know and trust that said, you two guys need to know each other. And sure enough, I kind of like you. It's been fun hanging out with you and getting to know you more. So um, if you told me somebody did something well, I'm going to come a lot closer to believing it because I, I've seen you. I've seen the people you associate with, your character. And I think our business is, is leaning more that way where the top 10% or 15% are really more into an advisor mode than just a, hey, I'm gonna try to say something mode. Insurance is something that I think we overlook. I just renewed my policy literally uh, two days ago. And it's something that I'm, it makes me sleep better at night. I'm, I'm thankful for it. And I know it's actually something that it can get fairly detailed and I could ask a few more questions, but Jay, I know that people out there are going to have some questions and they may want to get in touch with you and maybe ask their own questions. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, well, you know, I tell people all the time, Benny, I'm the worst person to talk to because it's literally my job to tell you the worst thing that can happen to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do in my business. And unfortunately, after as long as I've done it, I've got the examples to back it up. So, uh, but I'd love the opportunity to connect with any of your, uh, any of your listeners that would like to, uh, Jay Harville. Um, my email is probably the best way, which is the letter J, H-A-R-V-I-L-L, at Higginbotham.net. Um, or you can find us on the internet, obviously, uh, by searching Higginbotham Insurance. Um, we've got a lot of expertise in a lot of areas. And like I said earlier, if I'm not the guy, I will certainly do my best to get you to the right uh, partner that I have that would be able to help you. Well, Jay, we certainly thank you for your time to spend with us today and make us a little bit uh, more wise, a little bit about insurance. It's something that we all got to take care of. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for the opportunity. It was a great discussion and I enjoyed it. Glad to be right. with you anytime. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today on Work From Home with two guys. Listen, if you want to get in touch with me, the best way to do it is get in touch by sending me an email, Benny at velocitytechnology.group. That's B-E-N-N-Y at velocitytechnology.group. Dennis, if some people think that they need to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, there's two ways. One is the email, Dennis J, so it's D-E-N-N-I-S-J, at worksolution.com. So it's W-O-R-X and then solution, no S at the end, dot com. Or I'm on LinkedIn a lot under Dennis Jackson, and you can search for works or W or also the work from home with two guys were there as well. So would love to hear from you guys and help out any way we can. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you at the next episode. You've been listening to WSH with two guys. We'll see you next time.